Okay, so we had a cool time this Wednesday at, at the Parallax Sangha. We had Lehman Pascal talking about Gurdjieff. Uh, and he has a lot of fantastic things to say about Gurdjieff. Uh, really, he sees, he's a kind of thinker that sees things through his own kind of unique, idiosyncratic, um, you know, universe. And so he, it was interesting to hear him talk about you know, the themes of Gurdjieff, which I've been studying for a long time, but through his own particular lens. So that was cool. Good and we had talk. a kind of discussion about how to approach Gurdjieff. Um, um, he says, like, read the, the source texts. Um, and I I said, I said, no, go read the biographies first and and and, and read his students and then go to. The, so we, we that was sort of like, that's how I approached Gurdjieff rather than going directly to Gurdjieff because um, because often uh, Gurdjieff is sort of enigmatic and difficult to penetrate unless you have a context in which to understand him. But So anyway, we talked about things like that, Gurdjieff. And, and I was wondering about, because I've been, I, I've, you've studied Aleister Crowley a lot and you've written several books about the will and I'm new to Crowley. I'm, I'm just, I'm just, touching on Crowley um, um, I've studied a lot of Gurdjieff so I'm, I'm thinking about the the difference between their points of view and philosophy and practices so do you have any thoughts about that no but uh, yeah I mean sure but would you would you start with summarizing you know uh, Gurdjieff's views well Gurdjieff uh, Gurdjieff's views were really you know based in practice right so his he had all the all of these sort of techniques to overcome automatic thinking, right? Mechanical thinking. He said the ordinary person is like a machine, like machine man, and he was very critical about, you know, just the ordinary ego and how it how it operates. Um, and so his whole his whole teaching and writing and music and dance was designed to break up these patterns to to uh, let, let's say. Uh, access something something deeper which is a bit like what um what alistair crawley calls the will uh which is not an egoic will particularly but it's a deeper kind of direction or or divine will or something like that so um i think crowley was the first to kind of introduce these what what we call what we call now mindfulness practices but mindfulness is so lame Compared to what Gurdjieff was actually um, teaching, uh, at least how they teach mindfulness in in uh, you know in, in businesses and you know in sort of Buddhist communities, and Gurdjieff's mindfulness was a bit deeper. I I, I feel. Yes, mm -hmm. I, I think where they both conver con converge, yeah, this, this idea that you have like the superficial array of behaviors and notions and conceptions and perceptions and that you can apply certain techniques to i mean to to discover something deeper i mean that's like the idea of every spiritual uh true tradition i would say no probably every every you know inner tradition is has deep practices right outer traditions are exoteric traditions are often just beliefs and you go to church and you listen to somebody uh, about Babylon about you know what is true and but 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 um, I, I think it, I think there's a profound phenomenology and practice in, in Gurdjieff which is is less common than let's say 
the exoteric traditions? What I always found, found interesting is I always looked at them as kind of, you know, um, phenomenons that, you know, appear in a certain time that kind of belong together, like two poles, like yin and yang, dancing around each other, you know, two um, twin phenomena in a kind mm -hmm. of way. Because as, as far as I, I mean, I must confess, I haven't um, read Gurdjieff in a long time now. But from what I still remember and from what I, you know, understand is that especially in Belzebub, he purposefully used uh, uh, an obscure language to interrupt the thought patterns of the reader, right? Yes. And so created all, you know, these kind of artificial words to, you know, that have in first in the first sighting no real meaning but then if you go deeper and deeper and that then you will discover something more profound and so if you look at Crowley and his use of Kabbalah it's kind of the same because if when you first discover you know this hermetic and this Crowleyan way of using Kabbalah it's it's equally empty at at, at, at first and so the mm -hmm. deeper you go uh then the more it makes sense in a kind of way. And, you know, the one was more, you know, Crowley used more like a traditional way in, in the sense that he drew from something, whereas Gurdjieff was like kind of inventing everything from the get, you know. Yeah, I mean, that's, it's, there's a lot of controversy, controversy about, as, as Lehman was pointing out, about where Gurdjieff got his ideas, whether he just made it up or, or he got it from Sufi teachers and, you know, or in Tibet when he, you know, when he was one of the first Westerners to visit Tibet or, you know, he he, he picked up a lot of things on his travels and, and came up with a kind of system and said, this is a forgotten thing. This is, this is a system that people have forgotten. Um, but he used all these weird words like Kundaba for instead of Kundalini or something like that, right? He, and because um, he didn't want people to, uh, to, 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 to create another sort of persona out of, out of all, all or false reified system out of out of all of the things that he had discovered so he was very creative in his language but so i think i but i think crawley was more of a symbolist i think he used symbols more like he like kabbalah is a, you know we have the the sephirot and we have the you know there, there's the different realms and they're all sort of it's a symbolic reality and you meditate on symbols and then that reveals different kinds of things. Whereas, whereas Gurdjieff was more of a deconstructionist in, in some kind of a way. That makes sense. I don't I, know if I would agree with, with that. I don't know, because maybe we should talk about how the mind works first. Because mm -hmm. if you, because if you, if you read books like uh, Lieber, I don't know, uh, 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 Liber 418, I think it's called, or even the Liber Alvelegis. It's like, yeah, there's a lot of symbolism in there, but he also plays in a kind of way, in a poetic way with language. Because oh, he, yes. also, he was also like a poet. And so it was not just, you know, you have to meditate about, let's say, a sapphire to understand the mercurial aspect of it, you know. He, mm -hmm. he was way more... Uh, he was also using these kinds of things to, you know, break up, you know, our, let's say, automatic processing, you know, oh, sure. So, so like, how, how do we create images and impressions 
and to to go to something deeper and that's not so different from what from what uh Gurdjieff did the, the methodology is somewhat different but i think the goal is somewhat the same yeah well i think that i think that that well when i was reading crowley i was very surprised because you know you know in didi yoga practice in eastern you know i'm more familiar with eastern practices than than the western esoteric system because i've been doing them for years and and one of the principal practices you know in 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 tantric buddhism is deity yoga and in deity yoga you 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 personify you 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 create a personification of a deity you know and you identify with that and and you you practice clear visualization of that and that that sort of thing and so there's this whole pantheon of deities that that you work with and i was really surprised when i was reading Gurdjieff that he was doing the same thing with Isis and you know and you know he was where where you know practices where you imagine the deity and so I I don't see that in Gurdjieff anywhere uh, but maybe he was doing that that sort of thing I mean I don't see him using uh, you know mythopoetic uh, I don't see him using deities and he he more like he he more like he, he it reminds me more of Vedanta or Zen or um where where there where you're 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 kind of trying to deconstruct images rather than work work through them although when you work with deity yoga you also have to deconstruct them so so there is a similarity in the sense that the the point of doing deity yoga practice is to deconstruct your own identity and identify with another identity and then you dissolve that there's a process of of creating something and then and then dissolving it so it has probably the same effect as of same effect of breaking up your automatic patterns of, of thinking and, and perception so you can you can have a more uh so you can see see more clearly so they say a deity is perce- is perception itself and i also was surprised reading in, in crowley that he he would say things like that that these this is part of per- human perception it's not like a god out there that's you know sitting somewhere and, you know you, you you tune into him like a radio station you're tuning into into, into uh you know collective unconsciousness or something like that right i mean i i think to to get uh you know a, a proper understanding of of Gurdjieff and and crowley it's like you know apart from these kind of things it's it's um, important to look at the historical context uh, when they appeared mm-hmm. because you know if you if you look at or if if we look at what relig- religiosity and spirituality were like let's say in the 17th 18th century that was nothing like what we experience now that that happened something um that shifted the way we understand um self involvement with let's say in li- concepts of enlightenment let's say so it's mm-hmm. nothing that happens to you by the grace of god you know by just by prayer or it just happens that because you in a kind of way you can enforce it by the right means that you apply right so that was like a completely in that you know uh 19th century uh, you know the 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 turn of the 20th century that was like a huge hugely new idea i mean like nietzsche had had a similar idea that you can become by doing something you know that you can step out of the sociosphere in a way and you you can confront your own mind mm-hmm. by certain means and you're not you're not dependent on uh, social uh, uh, traditions and social means anymore to to 
by the grace of God attain something. No, you're you're your own individual. You can do. You can you can observe and and create your own kind of perception in a kind of way. And mm -hmm. so and that was you know 20s that was that was a completely new kind of thing and and nietzsche and 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 Gurdjieff and 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 crowley that was kind of their source code they all like approached it then differently but i mm -hmm. think that's the historical idea you mm -hmm. know the the new meme that emerged the new meta meme from which you know postmodernity and narcissism and egotism and all that you know what we yeah. experience now came from but yeah well you say it's new but i wonder if it's also also connecting to something very old at the same time right there's a novelty but there's also uh like for example the, the how people think about faith as, as as a bunch of propositional beliefs right you know it was it's kind of ridiculous from the esoteric point of view faith is actual you know you do something right it's not it's not some kind of like belief in god you know Uh, you don't believe in God. You 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 you, uh, you go through various practices and rituals, and you embody something, right? So so I think that's the way it was in the beginning, and then it got corrupted by propositional belief and and you know state control and church control and, and that kind of thing. But that there were always these kind of schools around, uh, which had a deeper understanding of 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 will and you know. I mean, Kabbalah is like. I mean, a lot of the sources that these people are using are, you know, Gurdjieff was talking about having a having a map from pre-Sans Egypt, you know. You, you know, they were talking very old sources, uh-huh, which have, have been kind of forgotten. And I guess through anthropology and are, are coming back. And people would laugh at Gurdjieff when he says that now, but then uh, you know, and, you know, Lehman was pointing out that now they've found some, you know, archaeological evidence that there was a, you know, that that the pyramids were covered in green and at that point and there was you know forgotten civilizations then and and then the burning of the alexandria library and, and stuff apparently like there was there's so much that's kind of been lost um so when you're saying it's something new i i say i, I say yes yes and yes and no if you're re I, re rediscovering something but also and then and then it, it's forming something new within the, in the in the um in the paradigm that it's Where, where we're at like uh, there's perennial truths and then there's novelty they're both happening at the same time and there's uncovering of the past and and development into the future and the arrow of zen goes both ways <laughs> can i specify what i meant by that i i, sure, I sure. probably wasn't precise enough because um you know let's let's take an example so if you always live in your village or let's say in your country you know So there are always kind of certain rules that you are blind to, you know, because you're so embedded in it, you know, so that's the, that's the mm -hmm. virtue of traveling. So or living in another country, because the more you leave your own country behind, the more you can see the rules and mechanisms of your, of your hometown, mm -hmm. of your nation, mm -hmm. right? And so yeah, when you're absolutely. traveling, you do the same. In a kind of way, you see how other cultures work and what kind of norms and values other cultures have. You start to compare it, and that brings you more to yourself. And so, what happened, in at least in my view, you know, around the 20th century was, you know, that there was not just a Christian influence, like say, on Christian, on Western, 
uh, uh, kind of saints or whatever. So yeah, you had yeah. suddenly, you know, the Blavatsky was traveling back and forth between, you know, the East and the West and Crowley was traveling mm -hmm. back and forth. Good and was yeah. mm -hmm. And so what that meant was that they were not only exposed to one set of, of spiritual you know, mechanism values. So they had all these influences. But what does that do to you? So suddenly, you're, you're not embedded in your own, you know, cultural upbringing anymore. Yeah. You're confronted with a, a array of spiritual traditions. And then what happens? So you have that that creates agency, because then you have to purposefully choose what you do with it. And mm -hmm. that is where will comes in. Because before that, you didn't have to do that. You know, you were embedded in your spiritual tradition and it was all fine. But there was like, uh, it had you instead yeah. of um, you had it. You know, the, 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 yeah. this law from, from psychology that, you know, you have to own, to, uh, own your emotions so that, don't, that they don't have you, you have them. And so, That's the self-authoring you know, yeah. uh, so business. Suddenly yeah. You have all the spiritual traditions at your disposal and that creates self-authorship. That's create the phallic movement. That's create will and the, 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 the dilemma of choice in a kind of way. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's well, I, I agree with that like 90%, but I think that there were always cosmopolitan cultures. Uh, you know, there's always been like a movement from the East to West. You know, there was the Silk Route, you know. Apparently, you know, when the Chinese invaded Tibet, Tibet was this very closed culture. It was very hermetic. It was very medieval, like 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 uh, European Christendom. But in the 8th century, in the 7th century, there were there were Gnostic temples, there were Sufi temples, there were, you know, Manichaean uh, Christianity and right in the middle of Tibet, you know, because there was this there was this back and forth along the Silk Route. And there was, you know, there's always been travel by sea and land and stuff. And so I think that the, the deep the deep spiritual cultures always are somewhat cosmopolitan. Um, and then they become kind of reified in, in, a, in, a, in a, you know, and, you know. But, uh, but but so what I think what you're saying is true. I think that these great masters that we're talking about came out of came out of this cosmopolitan vision. But that but but I think all, most of the, the great masters had there was at least some some degree of cosmopolitanism going on in Venice and you know even in the, like in the south of France there was Muslim culture and there was there was Jewish culture there was they were all kind of you know. Um, all the different schools were were in, in dialogue with each other, and that's when you get something very interesting. Yeah, what I'm making the case for is basically pluralism and postmodernity. You know, because you know, there's like this philosopher; he's called Arnold Toynbee, and he mm. was like the, the the transition between modernity and postmodernity is best characterized not to through nation thinking, my country, my home, yeah. but you yeah. know, the, uh, the global view. Right. Yeah. And when you look at and we had this discussion last week, you know, if you look at the 14th century, some some village in the Tibet, you know, I mean, I'm not I'm talking about the normal distribution. They didn't care about the rights of the Roman Church. You know, they were not there was not a big intermingling of spiritual traditions, but that that exactly. Oh, that, but there were that, in, in certain that, places that like, you know, certain, like, but not in, in a normal distribution. It's like, no. if you go some village there was no intermingling of you know uh, uh, global ideas but now it is oh yeah and, and that's you know the turn of 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 into postmodernity in a kind of way and, mm -hmm. and 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 so i see i see i see Gurdjieff 
and and Crowley and Blavatsky and those people, uh, Rudolf Steiner, they were yeah. like the facilitators for that kind of understanding what we now have. Yes, for yes. Yeah, I agree with you there. Um, and it's interesting. I was re even reading uh, Dion Fortune, who was another esotericist, right. and she 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 was talking about races. You know, it's like nobody talks about races anymore. She's talking about how the white race should be and how that. I think the book was written in the twenties, but almost nobody talk, could, talks about that anymore because it's it's in a way it's it's pretty irrelevant, right? Races. Right. Um, um, so. I mean, there is there is the issue of racism, but but I mean, just in terms of thinking of culture as as being this, there used to be there used to be maps of races, you know. <laughs> now that now we have countries, you know, so so it is, yeah, fully. Of course, of course, it's a fully cosmopolitan culture, and there's problems with globalism as well as a generic thing, yeah. right? But there's also, uh, but but then there's also the possibility for cosmopolitan, let's say, spirituality. Yeah. Yeah, but this is like where, where I locate, you know, to come back to the initial idea of this conversation, you know, where to locate Gurdjieff and 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 Crowley in in this kind of emerging world. Yeah, and you mentioned Steiner. The beginning, the be this is like the beginning of the the twentieth century, right? The early twentieth century, and kind of because there was nothing like like uh, the Institute for the Harmonious Development of Man before. Exactly. Yeah, that was a normal. That was a completely novel idea that there could be an institute that you could partake as an individual to further your personal development. That is a. Oh no, that wasn't a novel thing. I mean, there was all kinds of places like that, and the you know, and the Beguins and the. What what was novel about it exactly? Not, I mean, not 150 years ago. Different kinds of monasteries and and different kinds of they're called gars and where you know, yogic monasteries and. Uh, sure, ashrams but, and, and but again going back to this kind of stages of development so it's now you are uh you're not embedded in in a monastery anymore and in a faith that was given to you let's say from birth but now yeah, now yeah. you're 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 yeah, you have yeah. like you're like a full-blown individual that has all these you know maps of different kind of uh, uh, spiritual traditions and then you can go in, the, in an institute which is quasi-scientific to apply for yourself the techniques that you need to go to some point you know you don't mm -hmm. need the grace of god to in, in your cell block no you can you can you can go and you you can choose ecstatic dance you know to to bring up the kundalini which is like these are two completely different methodologies put together to create something new so that would be gurchev's fourth way i guess uh, um you know yeah which is not, not which is which is not uh which is not yogic it, it's it's not a house it's it, you know it's for people i guess that's a cosmopolitan religion because i guess the people who went to see gurchev were from all over the world weren't they they came here to right to uh to fontainebleau and they they from all over the world so right. uh, so that's interesting isn't it yeah and so the the the, the uh, you know the abbey in sicily from crowley mm -hmm. you know it's you know it's it's all that came afterward you know uh, osho and all these people this you know th this was the blueprint of what mm -hmm. these guys were like doing basically in the west mm -hmm. you know they were using that blueprint and 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 i think there's no, there's you know uh, it, there's not big of a difference 
between the intentions and the you know the way of operating between you know good here sure. and you know and trump even trump with who was a who was you know vajranist he he went to oxford university and taught his students you know horse riding and 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 uh, japanese bow and arrows and yeah yeah so when is it like just a, a mishmash when is it a you know a mix you know a inarticulate mix of different cultures that makes no sense and when do you have a coherent system i think you in order to have a coherent system you have to have a great master who's able to to notice what people need so you yeah, well, can't like there's a problem with this postmodern just putting a lot of different religious traditions together and making it up in the soup, right? Um there's a problem with that. Yeah. There's like a so, term psych uh, you know in developmental psychology it's called, you know, when when you have like the synergist kind of state of stage of development which comes after postmodernity and so you need a synergist who is able to take all these different yeah. kinds of impulses and create a coherent system or coherent, you know, right. framework out of that. And I would presume that Gurdjieff and Crowley had this kind of uh, synergist worldview. They would have to have done that. Yeah. Um, I, and I wonder. Yeah. I know, even, I mean, even the, the, the established traditions are much more syncretic than we think. They they have all kinds of lineages influencing, and then they become reified as this tradition. But but um, you know Jesus was you know studying with the rabbis and you know getting influences, you know probably all over the place. And then before Christianity, you know came about, uh, or um, you know, and that there's you know the Sufis were not even sure if they're Islamic or not. You know, some people would say they're they come from Islam. Other people would say they're pre-Islamic and they just kind of joined up with Islam for a while. And so, um, so, so, yeah. So then there's the so there's the the monotheistic kind of movement which tries to pull everything together, uh, and then that becomes reified and and it becomes you know uh, a kind of insane absolutism. You know, and that then has to break apart and, and you have all these different schools and you move back into chaos and then you create these sort of different schools. I think Gurdjieff was right that you need schools. Um, that there has to be schools of wisdom. That that's the primordial kind of uh, formation for actual spiritual development is schools. I don't, I don't know because... Um... I think they're not infallible, you know. And what I what I oh, always no. what I always found like super interesting with Crowley and Gurdjieff is that they that they were uh, you know Hemingwayan uh, people, you know, people, you know, men of action, you know, yeah. both. You know, Crowley was like a mountain climber and a chess master and and he wrote poetry and he went went to you know he, he traveled all around the world and 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 to Tangier or whatnot, uh, America, when it was very, you know, it's just, so, and, and Gurdjieff did the same. So, you know, when you read this book of his uh, meetings with remarkable men, which is mm. kind of supposed to be an autobiography, but it's kind of not because he, uh, you know, maps out, you know, it, you know, uh, stages of initiation and he yeah, kinds yeah. of, kinds of describes it, uh, with inter uh, through interactions with his friends, 
you know, and the travels that he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's super interesting because he's not he he is he he get he's getting the initiation through the interaction and the exposure with the world, you know, and not through a specific school. And both of them were like men's of action in a strange way, as it uh, because that's the myth, isn't it? But they both created schools, uh, you know, because yeah. if because there has to be a school, otherwise you just you're you're like you mentioned Hemingway, you just shoot yourself with an elephant gun, you know, because you're all alone and you know you're 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 you've got this authenticity, but but you don't have a school. Or you yes. go insane like Nietzsche, or or there's or, a wisdom to be attained through the interaction of with the world, you know, through oh yeah. That's what I mean. And so they had, and because that's the monomyth, you know, what I meant to say is that's the myth that, that you're interacting with the world Siddhartha, you know, so Siddhartha goes out into the world and sees death, you yeah, know, and yeah. sees sickness. And then he sees, oh shit, now after all these kinds of weird experiences, I have to go back and I have to synthesize it to understand, to integrate it. It's not, you know, and that's the postmodern problem of spirituality that the this aspect of interacting with the world you know that that is kind of well, even the even the buddha what walked all around india that's what he his whole life he just traveled around india that's you know what I mean. yeah. he he was you know he went everywhere just yeah. like i guess that's what the the great the great really great sort of world teachers do is they travel the world right yeah there are other teachers might that might stay in one location and really do something very deep in that one place but but um uh so i think there are introverted and extroverted styles of of, of teachers and teachings but uh, but but i agree with you yeah I, I mean i i think that um i th well, i think there's this extreme individuality with these guys is kind of paradoxical but but there's also there also is a school in any every case that has to be developed where where you get together you don't you don't try to do it on your own Cause you can't do it on your own. You have to, you have to, you have to have the feedback of other people, uh, right. um, you know, in order to, in order to really develop deeply spiritually, it's, it's not a, it's not a, a solitary thing. Mm -hmm. There's a similar, there's a similar question arising or did arise in relationship therapy. And so the mm -hmm. question, there, oh, there is, yeah. and so the question is, so who, who is more experienced? Who would you trust? with your relationship problems, somebody who never read a book um, about psychology and relationship went through five uh, failed marriages, you know, uh, a, a guy who uh, is uh, philandering and everything, or somebody who never had a real experience or just one. And But has, has a deg degree or, yeah. Yeah, and has a degree. So like, who, who would you trust? And this is a very easy question, you know, yeah, who, yeah, yeah. who has read all the books or somebody who, you know, who, go, who went through all the experiences, mm -hmm. you know? Well, there's an interesting question here. And that is, that is, there's a tendency within people to make a cult, right? Right. You know, uh, even, even in people who aren't that cultish, you get together with a bunch of people, you develop a common language, you develop an in-group bias, you behave in a certain way. And here, there you have you have a cult. And if you go to Gurdjieff, for, you know, Gurdjieff um, Fourth Way communities, there's this maybe something generic sometimes that, that comes because people are 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 are, are, are attached to this particular mode of, of being, and 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 it, it becomes a cult. 
And so, so, so I think cults, and, and I'm sure the same is true with Crowley groups and, you know, uh, Golden Dawn groups and, 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 you know, and Buddhist groups, and they, they become very cultish and, and, and terrible, even if they did have a very good teacher. Um, and so there is a way that we, we need to preserve our individuality in, 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 in the, and, and also participate in a school. And that's, that's tricky. That's difficult. That's not easy. I think. I mean, I've seen that before in in, in different in the different communities I, I've been in. I've seen people become very cultish, and then other people preserving their individuality. And and um, in a way, it's inevitable. I mean, even you know, I don't know. Godfrey John would talk about couples being a cult. You know, they become a hermetically sealed group that. That, that, you know, and and you can't access them, and and they have their secret language, and and uh, and they they don't evolve they, because they don't develop any kind of life outside the marriage or the community or whatever. So so that you know that's very important. Yeah, I completely agree because you need an exit, you know, and so it's like if you look at all these kinds of communities and it's 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 the same as true for what you said for in the integral community or the meta modernist community yeah. there you know where is the exit because you need the exit you need you know the interaction with the world and so you know what i you know because you can you can spend so much time with the interpretation of models and words you know yeah. or you do something yeah. and so you know what i what i tried to do was Okay, so how if you if you look at all these kinds of spiritual things and the philosophical things, how can you cre create, let's say, a novel or an artwork that doesn't rely only five percent or one percent on theory? Because that's for me that's way more interesting now. Because you can you can go through the interpretation of words and you know the things you know, or you 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 do something with it. You find an exit, and you create you know, a new painting or, or a new novel or a new app or whatever, you know, you do something, you go, mm -hmm. you take that and, and you, you interact with the world again. And, and I always felt, you know, that, that I always looked up for Gurdjieff and for Crowley to, for doing that, because even when they had like this quasi sort of master status, They were like still interacting with the world in a very weird and they way. They were also kicking out their disciples all the time, weren't they? I mean, Gurdjieff yeah, yeah. kicked away, kicked every one of his disciples he uh, out of the ashram until he was just hanging out in in cafes in Paris with with waiters and and uh, giving uh, candies to children. He just he didn't. He was always challenging the disciple not to become a, a cultish, syncophantic you know uh yeah, yeah exactly repeater mm -hmm. of 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 different model you know we have to really work work against that but then there is the, 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 the there is the reality of devotion to a teacher which i i believe in as well so uh i mean but most people in the west don't want to you know go there i would say because 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 they're afraid of of losing their individuality or losing something but wasn't it the, the credo of of Gurdjieff, of Crowley, of Ramdas, of of even of Timothy Leary and all these people, wasn't it the credo that they were saying, no, don't don't you believe me? Sure, find out for yourself, of course. Right. Yeah. But then there's the Bhakti, the devotional aspect, which would the the actually the Bhakti devotional aspect is you're fully dedicated, but but also you you don't you don't lose 
your, your your essence at the same time. And that's that's what's tricky, you know, in the master student relationship, because you have to have masters and students also. You need the Buddha, Dharma, and Sangha. I don't believe in this shit that everybody's saying that the, 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 the Buddha is the Sangha now. I think you need I think you need all three. Um, you know. Um, but again, that's kind of a taboo and difficult area for people to go in and separate world because everybody thinks that they're the end of evolution on their own. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you're a young man and you don't you don't have an understanding, you need you need guidance in a kind of way. But uh, you know, this guidance should always be structured. I think in a way uh, that enables the student, you know, mm -hmm. to, to to conceptualize all of this, you know, for his own, you know, to acquire for the student to acquire the necessary tools yeah, to yeah. discover his way of approaching non-duality or whatever because yeah. in, in in the last in, in last respect he he has to find his own way through his own psyche and the words of the master only do so much you know because you know the master is has the master is the master because he has conceptualized way to deal with his own psyche but that doesn't necessarily translate 100 to the psyche of the student and so mm -hmm. what the master should do is give the proper tools so, so that the student is able to conceptualize ways for his own psyche to attain samadhi or non-duality or zen or whatever oh absolutely well that's why it's, it shouldn't be this factory model of enlightenment right it doesn't work you know just go do the prostrations and do the do the mandala practices and do all the you know do that do do it in, in a very uh, assembly line uh, fashion there has to be a, a There has to be a unique teaching for each person, I think, a unique relationship, you know, and that's when you, you develop. So um, I think you can. Uh, so there is the formal kind of practices that you could do, but there's also your the your, your idiosyncratic nature and, and, and what works for you and finding the, 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 the there should be a there should be a, a whole there should be a whole menu of stuff that works depending on, 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 the, on the quality of the person. Not in any higher, you know, not in a cheesy hierarchical level, of, but but in, in the sense that what works for every, every person. There should be practices designed for each individual person that works for that person. Mm -hmm. Controverse, you know, a provocative thought, because I think that at least in the West, and I'm talking only about the West, I think you can distinguish between, you can, how do I say this? Um, between the, the the master or the guru or the teacher who wants to keep you because he wants to build a community or whatever mm -hmm. or the or the master who has the goal of uh, in his mind to let you go as soon as possible yeah and that's sure. a different kind of methodology because you know you you, you want the, the the students to go and and be on their way You know, not oh, yeah. not confined to the group that you had built, you know. And so that's for me the, the kind of litmus test. If 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 the teacher and the master or the guru or whatever actually wants you to leave. Yeah. Well, I, I, I think what we could say about Crowley and what we could say about Gurdjieff and, and other other teachers of that nature is is they were always offending people. Right. 
they were they were they were offending their ego they were they were they were they they were provoking them at, at all times so that they wouldn't become uh comfortable so if somebody gets really comfortable in a community and feels really nice about everything then they're probably not learning anything they're 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 just escaping from from the world right but if the community if the community has a if there's a challenge there you know and a provocation you know, as well as the love, people like the love stuff, right? The lovey, a lighty stuff because it makes them feel safe and comfortable, and that's a feminine aspect which has to be there as well. But then, but then the provocative aspect—if it's not there, then I, I don't think anyone could make any progress in, in, in these in these particular schools. So, so, so you you have like, you know, I mean, when I, I when I met my own teacher, he, he was like, "Go away," <laughs> you know several times and i had to kind of insist and that that was that was what you do uh it, it wasn't like uh it wasn't like oh welcome and now you found the promised land please stay with us and drink milk and honey it was like get out of here what what, what do i want? i don't want slaves yeah you know i don't want syncophetic you know um people trying to imitate me and you know that would be damaging to both of us just get the hell out of here that's that's how i, I think a good master should, should be in a way and then the student has to really find the strength within themselves that really want to do the path. And that, is, that does require a great deal of individuality, not, um, not uh, just repeating uh, the, uh, the, um, the in-group tropes uh, and, and uh, behaving, you know, wearing the clothes and behaving in the way, you know, it's, it's, it's terrible um, cultish behaviors. Have you read the uh, not the books from Carlos Castaneda, but the books of his students about Carlos Castaneda? No, I haven't. Oh, I've read amazing. some Carlos Castaneda. Yeah, he because pretty... Carlos, you know the Don Juan books that Castaneda yeah. himself yeah. wrote. Nobody knows if that happened, but what people know what happened with Carlos Castaneda, right? Yeah, because he had disciples, and he was a you know I I don't want to say like a cow's shaman or cow's magician or something like that but he did behave in a good yevian uh, crowleyan way you know yeah. so he would, like take take everything away and as soon as he saw that you know somebody had some attachment to something he he would destroy that you know with utmost vengeance you know, not vengeance but you know with utmost intention you know and so in, mm. in the stories about about what he was doing it's it's super fascinating because he was always dressed Like, like a like a like an english gentleman you know with you know like jordan peterson style yeah, you yeah. know this kind of way and then and and i think like timothy leary met him once and timothy leary was like kind of annoyed by him because carlos castaneda was like appearing in this in that time in this kind of dress and was you know doing magic tricks for the people and like the, like this magic tricks like oh i'm vanishing now some bananas or something it was like super weird and 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 leary was like super annoyed with his character because you know he was like even more offending he's uh, annoying actually i like i like uh, i like don juan but when you read the books you get really annoyed with him you, <laughs> you start to I, you really i, I you got very attached to don juan as as a, as a as a figure but That's what my feeling of reading the yeah, book. Yeah, sure. Is. Don Gennaro. This, this guy's an idiot. He's a prick. He's a jerk. And then Don Juan is this beautiful sort of um, yeah, but indigenous, if you read indigenous books, master. If you read the books as Don Juan, as his alter ego, whatever. Yeah, yeah. You know? And so and so that's what he behaved like, 
in in that scene at that time and and it's it's super interesting and super fascinating you know though his and so he was like and he he had like this andrew cohen like quality just just to destroy people you know just like take all the dearest possessions away and and it's like you know mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. very interesting Oh. not to be recommended but interesting not to know? be recommended yeah well never to be recommended um yeah well it's interesting i wonder like you know you mentioned Andrew cohen and i always thought he was kind of lightweight you know in that way but maybe he wasn't but uh was, of course he was lightweight as it like his just the qualities of, of what he was teaching it didn't did never got me excited or turned me on in any way it was very elusive and no because it was nothing new yeah, maybe, maybe not. Yeah. So, but anyway, I mean, I wonder if a, a what 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 would become of. I wonder if we have. I guess there's always these characters out there, but they they don't seem to be. Um, it would be hard for somebody like that to 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 live in the internet age and be be a fig a public figure. Or probably impossible. No, the interesting You'd have to leave the public, right? The interesting thing is, you know, um, that Crowley kind of conceptualized what was happening while it was happening. And so when you yeah. when you read like philosophy books, there's always, you know, the sentiment that, you know, the 2000 years after Pla Plato, it's like that was just a footnote to Plato because he he created all the frameworks that we're kind of still living in. And so that's, mm -hmm. you know, a sentiment. And so if you if you look at Crowley and Gurdjieff, <coughs> So Crowley's notion was when you're like at a specific stage in a specific time, then you create a word, right? And mm -hmm. that word is kind of definitive for the generations to come till another master, a couple of hundreds or even thousand years creates another word. A word? Yeah. What do you mean? Like like a like a like a sacred words or what do you what do you mean? Like you know, he, mantras he, or or, no, no, or he meant something like like a meta meme, like a paradigm conceptualized in a symbol or word, uh -huh, right? Okay. So you had the cross, for example, and, you know, love, love thyself as you love your neighbor. You know, this is a specific, this is a specific meme, a specific word, which, you know, prevailed for 2000 years after Christ, right? Yeah. And so, and so he, he said that Jesus Christ was in a way, you know, a, 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 a master, a true a true, um, true uh, enlightened person, but you know the paradigm got old, and so it had to be regenerated, and so another master came, and in his opinion, yeah, in, in, in his opinion, it was him. Of course, he was the yeah, ultimate yeah. master, so, but, but yeah, the, yeah, the unsurpassed master. That's also the problem, right? But the interesting thing is, you can't find a counter argument because, in a way, that's what happened. You know, the first guy to do that kind of thing. Hold on, I mean, he uttered a new word, and we're kind of living in his world now. I think that Gurdjieff and Crowley uttered a, a, a word, and that was very similar in a kind of way. And we're still living in their mind, in their conception of spirituality. Yes, now. yes. And that's I mean, where... I've I've discovered that with Gurdjieff in the different places I've been, you know, and and. In, you know, my friends who are part of Lee Lazovic Sangha in, in Paris, they're 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 all Gurdjieffians, and also in the Vajrayana, several you know people love Gurdjieff in, in all kinds of different traditions. He's one of he's sort of trans traditional. I, I mean, there are fourth way Gurdjieff schools, but he kind of he navigates all of those spaces. So that's interesting. Probably Crowley is similar. I guess he he's he's present in all of the esoteric spaces. 
in some kind of a way but um you know we were living in 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 their world that's that uh, in the same way we're not living in a newton's world anymore we're living in the world of 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 einstein and freud and Mm -hmm. Jung. we're living conceptually in their world yeah we're still living in the world of nietzsche right And yeah. so in the same sense, we're living in the world of Gurdjieff, spirituality-wise, yeah. Yeah. because they created this kind of new spiritual meter meme, if you want to, you know, this yeah. new way of, of, of understanding this. And, and, and in, in Crowley's view, that will last at least a couple of thousand years till it, it, is, it is so uh, uh, thinned out that the world needs to regenerate regenerate itself needs a new set of i think symbols to to work symbols to work with right yeah a new a new world a new paradigm you say word and paradigm i i i I think of them as symbols but not in the sense of a reified symbol in the sense of something you have a symbol like the cross which keeps revealing some more and more meaning to it it doesn't have a limit to its it's like there's no limit to the meaning of, of a cross, right? Cause it's the four directions and it's, it's uh, you know, and, and then it's the, you know, it's the, the sim- image of the ultimate suffering and it's, it, there's no limit to that kind of an image, but there's, there's, uh, there's, there's unlimited um, insight that can be derived from a, primor- a primordial image. That's super interesting because that's exactly what the mo- word means. Because the word is like something like om, it, it permeates mm. through everything yes. for all eternity, if you utter it correctly. You know, you can, if you utter, that's the Kabbalistic, ritualistic, hermetic kind of thinking about this. Because if you utter the word, let's say Odin, yeah. correctly, it, it permeates for all time um, through, through, you know, through the universe. And you can give the reality a bend to it because it's such an archetypal power, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And so it, it's you, it's it's endless in its associations. Yeah. And and so and so that's what what he means with word because you can you if you find your word, your your personal word, let's say your personal archetype, whatever, right? Uh, if you yeah. utter that, you 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 get you 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 find a different way of relating to the world you're in in a kind yeah. of way or if you utter like a magic word like odin or whatever that's you know it's odin is like, isn't that well i'm i'm wondering is it legitimate to 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 to, to be worshiping these old gods in the present paradigm i mean some that's, that's i don't the idea know with that you yeah. can with with a pluralistic global way because you know uh, odin and zeus and and let's say Horus are basically the same idea, just in different cultures. And you still can can oh, utter these words, and they still have this primordial power to them. Yeah, I mean, but you know, for example, in in the you know, uh, you know, there's the the syllable ah, you know, which is in Sanskrit, it's like a that that's the primordial syllable from which all things emerge. In. Right. Or, or the syllable hung, you know. There's the, the these are these are these are but but people are but these traditions are still living people are still practicing these traditions but if you went back and, and sort of i wonder if you go back and take these egyptian greek how you bring them back if you can actually bring them back to life or not i, I don't know hung um, i i only know uh, well hung well hung what's that <laughs> 
well hung. Ah, yes, <laughs> you're 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 flattering me again, uh, Tom. Actually, I I, I was I, I was at a Buddhist uh, thing where you know they give you names in in Buddhist um, yeah. Buddhism. They give you these special names that are you know, and one guy was called um, well endowed one. That was his. <laughs> The well endowed one. He was given that name uh, <laughs> from a you know from a Tibetan master. The well endowed one. I was like, oh, damn! I seen wish I got that. Name. What? Have you ever seen the cock of Rasputin? No. Oh, you should. You should Google that at some point. You mean you know? that there's an actual image of it? Yeah. No. They when they slaughtered him, they cut off his penis and balls and put it in formaldehyde and it's still you know you can look at it at some museum and so the internet you know just look at that monstrous hog he had you know Whoa. it's fucking disgusting but it's uh, uh-huh. 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 <laughs> so do you think we've gone full circle tom we've yeah, gone no, full... we have gone full circle <laughs> <laughs> we're back in the um yeah we're back Rain in of the, the dirt but um, it's uh, my philosophy as soon as long as you can talk about God and all these lofty ideals, you have to talk about cocks and anal sex and of, of you know, course, like, of course, you have, to have an equal equilibrium of things. Yes, yes, yes. We have to we have to cover the entire spectrum of being, which starts yeah. off with in the swamp, and then you know, and then there's anal sex, and then we move up the 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 the, the great chain of being to. To what I don't know. No, but maybe to to end on a on a uh, you know on a on a more interesting note. So what Osho said, and I always thought that Osho is like a direct descendant of you know these kinds of two people. You know, Gurdjieff. of course, yeah, he so loved Gurdjieff. And so and so what uh, what he said that the ideal man is a mixture between Buddha and Alexis Zorbas. And I always, oh yeah, Zorba the Buddha, yeah. yeah Zorba, the, Zorba the Greek, you know, it's like played by Anthony Quinn in that movie, you know. It's yes. like I always loved that because it's always in the world and out of the world and at the same time, you know. Yeah, I me too, that. me too. I think that's what we need, Zorba the Buddha, you know, because then you have the, 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 you know, the sublime metaphysics, you know, mixed with really earthly, edgy, earthly, you know, uh, uh, character and, so, so and because yes, Buddha, yes. Zorba didn't have any problem with fucking the horse, you know, when when he w- felt like it, you know, mm-hmm. and and so, but there's, you know, if you do it the right way, then they become like the horse of the temple, and that's different, you know what I mean? Yes, there's a yes, yes, yeah. Well, I was thinking about that because that's that's interesting because people have been talking about you know tantra and this kind of like tantra is like doing all kinds of drugs and you know having all these like left-hand antinomian experiences and i go yeah there has to be this transcendental aspect then maybe you could do the have those experiences have those you know left-hand path experience but if you're just if you're if you're just doing it you know for experience perhaps something is missing in in the in the uh, there's there's a lack of a transcendental notion or 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 people don't know why they're doing the drugs and having the experiences and right 